0: Well, this is my first Monday Thursday service, so it's been good, a good learning experience for me as I've prepared this message for tonight. And, uh, and I've also been very grateful for this season of Lent, uh, the opportunity to say a few little no's along the way in hopes that it might lead to a heartier yes to Jesus, you may know that Maundy Thursday begins with what we, begins what we call the Easter Triduum, just a Latin word for three days. Today, Maundy Thursday, tomorrow, Good Friday, and then Holy Saturday. And the Maundy in Maundy Thursday simply comes from a Latin word, mandatum, which is the word from which we get mandate. It's the word in the Latin version of this is The new commandment, commandment. Tonight is a night to remember the great commandment. And the great commandment hasn't changed. iPhones don't change the great commandment. technological advances don't change the great commandment. Seasons of political activity don't change the great commandment. The great commandment is the great commandment is the great commandment. And Jesus says of this commandment that he's speaking a new commandment, which is at a certain level slightly puzzling because it's not new in the sense of new information. The disciples would have heard it before. They would have heard something like it in the book of Leviticus, which was at least a couple thousand years old by the time Jesus is talking about his new commandment. But it is a new commandment. It's new in the sense that the disciples have witnessed Jesus living it in a way no one had ever done before. They witnessed this commandment as Jesus loved his own, them, in a fresh and vital and creative way. And in this sense, it's a new commandment because Jesus lives it Anew. He models this way of loving for us. I mean, think about it. That for three years, the disciples had experienced this fresh love of Jesus for them. He had invited them to be with him. He wanted them to be with him. He had given them a loving vision of God as Father that surprised them. Imagine calling God Abba, Daddy. And they had witnessed his love for the crowds of people who flocked to him like shepherdless sheep to a caring shepherd. But now, in these three days, in this evening in particular, they would experience the full extent of his love. And so the moment on which we focus tonight is that of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And maybe it's such a familiar passage that we forget what a radical moment this really is for them. I mean, in the first century, there are stories of disciples washing the rabbi's feet. There aren't any stories. This isn't done where rabbis wash the feet of their disciples. It's just not how things were done. But it's what Jesus does. It's an illustration of a new kind of commandment that he's giving to them, that he's now going to model for them. He had said to them before, you know, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give. And they could have hardly have imagined when they first heard him say words like these, That those words would lead to the events of this night and the events of the next few days. Now for just a moment, if you'll let me, I'd like to just widen the angle of the lens a little bit. Because this passage happens in one of my absolute favorite locations in the Bible. There's some pretty amazing locations, you know, standing at the Red Sea and then at parts. That's a pretty amazing location, you know, a burning bush in front of Moses. That's a pretty amazing location. But this room where they are, this upper room, what Jesus does and what Jesus says in this room has, has shaped my faith for decades. Things like when Jesus promises that he's going to prepare a place in his Father's house for us or describes himself as the way and the truth and the life, the one through whom we can come to the Father. When he promises to ask the Father to give us another advocate who will help us and who will be with us forever, the spirit of truth. When he uses the image of a vine and branches connected to it, And he says, remain in me just in the way I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I mean, think about it. Jesus knows this is his last opportunity to speak to this inner circle. He's going to talk about central things. If they haven't caught it so far, he's going to say the things He hopes they will never, ever forget. Think of the prayer in John 17 that perhaps closes their evening together. When he prays, even thinking of us perhaps, saying that I'm not just praying for these, I'm praying for the ones who will believe in me through their message all the way to us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. I pray that they might also be in us, so the world would believe that you sent me. What a remarkable room, and what a remarkable image for us. So, returning to John 13. I'm struck especially by a couple of verses in the beginning that describes Jesus' perspective as he prepares to wash the disciples' feet. This is how John puts it. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God, and was going back to God, he rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, he took a towel, he tied it around his waist, and then after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. It's those three phrases that gives me a sense of context for how it is that Jesus does what he does and how it is that Jesus lives as he lives and invites us to join him in this. Do You remember the three phrases? First one. Knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. To me, this speaks of Jesus' authority. Jesus serves from a position of authority. Jesus is not powerless in this, these moments, his humility is not weakness. He's washing the disciples' feet and he is expressing his authority, but it is an authority that's, that's different the sorts of authority we're used to. This is an authority of love. Jesus' strength is not a muscle-flexing, teeth-bearing, posturing sort of strength. His is a gentle and humble and loving strength. Jesus expresses his authority as service for the good of others. And so we, as we follow him, in our own places of service. We seek after and we work for the good of others from a place of great authority, the authority of love. We have been and are being loved very well. And so we are enabled and authorized to extend this loving service for the good of others God entrusts to us. And so he knows that the Father has given all things into his hand. There's a second phrase. When John says that he knew that he had come from God, to me this speaks of his sense of identity. Jesus as servant does not need to prove anything. Jesus has lived his life in the light of his Father's loving and affirming words that launched his ministry. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased." Jesus does not serve from a place of emptiness seeking fullness. Jesus serves from a place of fullness seeking overflow. And so can we, in him. Jesus knows where he comes from. Jesus knows whose he is. And so as he washes the feet of his followers, he simply expresses this fullness as an express, expression of service and love to these friends. In terms of identity, we too can know where we are from. We too have been sent as beloved sons and daughters into this world as servants. We don't do our works of service as a way of establishing our identity or proving something. We serve as a means of expressing an identity that is already ours, a fullness that we already have, just as Jesus serves his friends in that upper room. And then finally, the third phrase John uses is that he says that Jesus knew that he was going back to God. And this speaks to me of Jesus' sense of purpose. Jesus knows in a way that no one else in the circle quite does that he's getting ready to face a dark valley that will lead to his death. And he is able to conduct himself with peace, with grace, with love in the face of unimaginable, anticipated suffering because he sees beyond the dark valley that is before him. Jesus has purpose and hope that is bigger than just the next three days. His end, like his beginning, is lived in communion with the Father. He anticipates a future in full communion with that Father. And so, too, our purpose, our hope is found in ever-deepening friendship with the Father through the Son by the Spirit. This is so much in the spirit of what Jesus says to his inner circle a little later in our passage in John 15 when he says to them I don't call you servants any longer servants don't know their master's business i i call you friends and so even in that story in that upper room as Jesus washes the feet of those 11 of those disciples He comes to us, he comes to us to serve. And Jesus lives out and gives them a picture of the words that close our John 13 reading. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another, and by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus, in the washing of the disciples' feet, as a master who behaved like a servant, loves them. Can you imagine being one of those disciples as Jesus comes to wash your feet? Maybe you've watched him wash a few feet before you, and now he's come to you. I think at least a few of you can imagine feeling a little like Peter. Maybe even saying something like, Jesus, you're not washing my feet. If anything, I'm washing yours. But like with Peter, we hear Jesus say to us, you may not understand what I'm doing. But if you want to be in fellowship with me, let me serve you. Let me love you. We love because we've been loved first. Our love is always a response to a previous love. We give what we've received. We serve because we have been and are being lovingly served. Let me read just a few verses as a sort of invitation to us as we close um, this moment of our service. After he's washed their feet, you'll remember he says, I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And then these words. If you know these things, blessed are you, if you do them. And I don't read that as some sort of conditional you better or else kind of statement. As much as Jesus saying, you see how I've just treated you? This is the blessed life. This is the way to live. A life where you come to be served is no life. It's an anxious life. It's an empty life. But a life like the life you've watched me live, this is the blessed life. For a few moments, we're going to take time to reflect in quiet. So I invite you just to listen for however it is that God wants to take this passage and this image and speak to you through it.